I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. You didn't know you used to sit and wonder why, babe. It don't matter anyhow. And then you know you used to sit and wonder why, babe, if you don't know by now. When your rooster crows at the break of dawn, look out your window and I'll be gone. You're the reason I'm a traveling on. Don't think twice. It's all right. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me this week to talk about the classic Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, is musician Virgil Kinsley. Hi, Virgil. Hey, how's it going? It's doing great. I'm happy to have you here on the show. Thanks. I'm thrilled to be on it. I, I love the show so much. It's uh, it's really awesome to be on it. Thank you very much. Excited. I feel bad. So many of people that I have arranged to uh, be on the show have had to wait a long time because all of a sudden Bob dropped the album in the middle of all this process. So it's like pushed everything back a little while, but we're finally here. Uh, this is very exciting. So I, I've mentioned before in other shows, I love having musicians on the show because I can't speak to that part of it, like the musicianship. So I love hearing from people's people who are professional musicians of like how they approach this material. So of course, uh, we have to get started in our typical way for people that have been on the show for the first time. Like, how did you become a fan of, of Bob's work? Well, I've been thinking about this because I, I, I listen to the show. I know that this is the question. I, I find <laughs> it so hard to pinpoint exactly where. So I'm going to kind of go a little all over the place, but that's kind of the point. Because he's so woven into the fabric of pop culture, it feels like I've always known about him. Uh, but then his work is so elusive. I, I always I feel like I'm constantly rediscovering it. In 2001, I was like 15 years old and I was a big like classic rock nerd. And I would go through like lists of greatest albums of all time and stuff. And I downloaded like Blonde on Blonde, Highway 61, Blonde on the Tracks. I filled up a Winamp playlist with his greatest hits and <laughs> random songs that, you know, and so I knew like Tangled Up in Blue and Blowing in the Wind and like a Rolling Stone, but I wish I could remember hearing them for the first time because like I don't. And that seems like, uh, you know, it's it's strange. I also had like Moonlight on that list, which I which I loved early on because it reminded me of music that my grandpa liked. <laughs> so it's hard to like contextualize it all. But, and then like hearing Lay Lady Lay and hearing that, you know, he's got a different voice. Like, but I'd already heard some of the like, I think I had Tweedledee and Tweedledum on my list, too. So I, you know, I, I kind of just figured that that was that his old got kind of his voice got kind of old and croaky. But then like as I went through it all i went oh shit this is like a thing that he can like a trick that he can turn on and off and mm -hmm. and then like saw that much again or much later again with like the sinatra albums and stuff so it's just like this thing that like you call it buried treasure on the show like how you get into it and you listen to maybe the same song for the millionth time and you're like something clicks about it and you mm -hmm, go oh mm -hmm. god like i started discovering things that people have written off like i like self-portrait i i like ballad and plain d i like the sinatra era i, I love it all like so you're the one <laughs> yeah <laughs> like and lately i've been getting into like uh i love that like kind of carnival barker character he was doing in 2012 so i've been going through youtube and watching all like i don't know there's just these things that that i shouldn't i think you had a you had a guest on your show i think it was harry i think is his name and harry he, hugh yeah and he was talking about what's the song he's black muddy river yeah we got the grateful dead cover that bob did yeah yeah and he was talking about how like these things that sh you should like are objectively kind of bad like like i like <laughs> Toast Place show like like I I love it but there you know it's 
there's all these tunnels that you go through and it just kind of it, it seeps into my life and all these different different ways it's it's you know i just i just constantly have these revelations about different aspects of it discovering that he was funny like going in through his interviews and and uh liking the interviews more than the songs even like (laughs) i think that that's kind of i'm sure that that'll be kind of relatable to some of the people that are dylan fans because it's it's kind of like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned uh, the said at, at, at age fifteen was sort of the beginning of that for you. Were you already doing your own music at that point? Were you headed down that road? Uh, that was about the time that I yeah, that was about the time that I started really learning. I think I learned around yeah around fourteen, thirteen or fourteen. I started playing guitar, and then um, the time because I think I think I did like I played at a talent show and I played knocking on heaven's door. Ah, okay. But but I wasn't particularly like a big Dylan fan. It just it just lended itself. The music lends itself to your your guitar player, and you learn all these chords. And and his music's just so uh, it's it's like it's like a lesson. And it's it, he's he's the best music teacher in the world. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever listened to the Theme Time Radio Hour show? Oh yeah yeah. Listen. Oh, okay to- right. <laughs> I'm I'm like a nutty fan where that's like my, that's my break from Bob Dylan is like uh, I've I've listened to too much Bob Dylan music I better put on that <laughs> to your you know right it gets back to him being like a great music teacher kind of thing so so there yeah. were songs where there so when you were uh, you know discovering Bob and really getting it like did you come at it from the musician's point of view like like you could, you could hear things about oh that's an interesting chord change or that's cuz that's the kind of stuff again that I really don't yeah, have I mean, the ability to appreciate yeah i think i mean i was a magic nut when i was a kid i was like a child magician okay <laughs> i i think just like the 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 magic trick aspect of it like no like figuring something out that he was doing that made it seem so effortless or made it seem even he even hide he hides behind so many he's like a magician like it he makes you think he's a bad musician but then <laughs> you, you go into it you realize all these tricks that that he works his ass off to sound that like ragged you know mm-hmm. so i i kind of fell in love with going down that tunnel and and uh and yeah so uh, those are th- i think of those things the music stuff is just kind of like parts of his trick bag mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? well you said you like you were a magician so you like that you know that's that's part of his yeah. persona too is being a magician in a certain sense right right have you ever had a chance to see him live i've seen him three times i kind of i i saw him in 2002 which was great. It was in Toronto at the Molson Amphitheater, and I went with some friends, and they hated it. <laughs> and, um, and, and I even, I mean, I struggled with it because it was like, you know, I think everybody's had that moment uh, with him where he does something that you don't expect, and it, you know, then you, then that's what you start to love about. I mean, at least me, that's what I start to love about him is that he, like, even this this new album is like I was expecting him to come out with something where he was going to play the piano a lot. Mm-hmm. live he's been playing the piano so much and then this new album came out and it's like this whole other thing and mm-hmm. it's just like constant lessons and not expecting anything from the artist you know and it's truly amazing it's it never stops amazing me uh that aspect of uh, i keep getting kind of off track what, what was the question you asked me <laughs> about seeing him live now before we before you go on though i'm, I'm curious your friends that hated it were yeah. they fans before they saw him or were they going I mean, just to yeah, kind of go I think so i think yeah, to a degree, and I think 
I think they I think they still are to a degree, and it's like that thing that he's so undeniable. Like no one can really boldly say they don't like Bob Dylan because he's so undeniably shaped everything we know about music today. You know, so it's like I don't know. I think they, but I I think they partic- they they just hated that they didn't know what songs it like. Right. They, this is Tangled Up in Blue. I, I've <laughs> I found out like four minutes into the fucking song. What is this right. bullshit? You know? Right, right. I gotcha. Okay. Because I said, I'm always curious as to what some people's expectations are. Because I, I generally would not take a non real fan to a Dylan concert at this point. I just don't think oh, that they yeah, would get yeah. what they, you know, they're not going to get from it what I think they think they're going to get. They're not going to get the hits sounding like what they sound like. They're just, that's right. not, you know, and so if that's your expectation, you're bound to leave disappointed. Yeah. I, I, I've been, and then, so I didn't go for a while. I kind of, I don't know why I'm really disappointed in myself that I didn't go for so long. And I, and then I went again in 2017, saw a lot of that Sinatra kind of thing. And then I recently went to, uh, Ithaca with a stranger that I met on the internet <laughs> to, uh, to the 2019 <laughs> show. And that was, that was a wild, uh, Thing. I'm so glad I did, especially now in hindsight with the yeah. whole situation that's going on. It's making me so grateful for pretty much any experience I had before all this nonsense. <laughs> How did you like the last two shows, the more recent ones? They were, they were fantastic, especially that that what he what he was doing right leading up to this. It yeah. kind of makes me sad to think about like I, I'm so grateful for this this new album, but I'm like man to to hear what he would have done live with some of this stuff. It's like my my brain's going crazy to yeah some of these I, well. You know what? It's perfect because now that I'm going to be now that I'm in the, the the realm of doing episodes post the album's released, let's just briefly talk about that because I mean it, I think I want to ask everybody what they think about. It. So what are you just I know if you can do such a thing? Yeah, I'll be, uh, do you have I'll some to... brief brief thoughts on on rough and rowdy ways? Oh, I, I I I love it. It's great. It's uh, especially murder most foul. Like was really just I I think it's it's one of the most. Uh, profound things he's ever done and and i think the whole album is is one of the most uh ambitious musically ambitious projects he's ever done which it's it's i mean it's his stuff is always so mysterious so it's hard to track uh you know there's all this mystery about who played what and who Mm -hmm. who and who was responsible for what aspects of the arrangements which has always been you know some of the mystery with him but but this one's like i don't know the chords he's using are 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 on a, di- a, a different level than he's normally like there's a lot of a lot of kind of like jazz i mean he's been doing a bit of that but just i don't know i, I obvi- obviously the the time he spent with those sinatra songs has uh leaked into how he's how he's approaching his songwriting now it's just, it's just i i think it's amazing to be to be so in uh present for uh, a big shift like this it almost feels like like I didn't get to be there when Blood on the Tracks came out or right. these like masterpieces. So like to 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 kind of be involved as a fan while he does a big transformation in a in a really like artistically interesting way is just amazing. It's yeah, it's cool to be uh, you know he's had so many turns, but yeah, it's cool to to see where he goes from here. Well, all right, very cool. I mean, That's, you've, uh... been, you've been a you've been a fan for. A, a lot like so you've seen a, a, a bit of that like i'm sure you you kind of remember how you felt about time out of mind or something like that 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really got into him in 1989, which, again, still in the history of Bob Dylan is still pretty recent. But, but yeah, I mean, the, the, I've seen some of the changes. I mean, I would uh, like I discussed uh, with Tom Moon on our Rough and Rowdy Ways episode. Like, I kind of look at 2001 from on, the Jack Frost era, where he's kind of that riverboat gambler, Salvador Dali, Vincent Price thing going on. Yeah. And, and, and Tom Moon sort of argued that he thinks that Rough and Rowdy Ways is the – hopefully the first album in another direction and yeah. and and after tom suggested that i could hear what he's talking about so yeah it may be that the the jack quote-unquote jack frost era is is over and now post the sinatra records he's now doing this other thing and maybe that will become even more clear if he does another record and it's like oh we could see the influence of of those records so it's exciting to see where he might go from here uh, with these post, you know, the post Sinatra era, whether this is the first album of a, you know, a volley of new albums or something. I don't know. We'll never know. But yeah, there is a, you could tell the turn here and then it's kind of exciting to see what's going to happen uh, next. Again, you never, as you said, you never do know with, uh, with Bob. Yeah, so, just, oh, sorry, just a quick, quickly before we go to, I just wanted to say about that um, the, with the Sinatra stuff, because I'm always surprised that, that fans, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into this. I'm just want to say this, this one thought I had with the Sinatra stuff, because fans always like uh, seem to be kind of down on those albums. But the one thing that I, that I really am excited about with, with the prospect of this being a new era of Bob Dylan is uh, that, what I enjoyed about those Sinatra things is it as much as I love that Jack Frost, uh, the, those, those four albums, it, it was kind of, I found the Sinatra stuff really refreshing because it was like those albums, while they're fantastic, they were kind of like a, 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 all a similar thing. So that, that's why, yeah, I just think that like this new direction is is uh, so exciting. It's amazing to think that at this age that he still feels like he has new things to learn. You know, that's yeah. that's a very humble thing to sort of uh, quasi admit to your audience that at this age, you, most people would think, well, what does Bob Dylan have left to learn at this point? Doesn't he hasn't he done right. done everything? No, he's still learning. You know, I mean, that's uh, that's a uh, he's not busy, born is busy, dying. So, you know, there you go. Uh, so. All right. Well, actually, like I said, I'm, I'm sorry for asking you briefly to sum up an entire album. That's probably a little unfair, but I mean, no, no, you know, no, we, we are here. Here to discuss don't think twice it's all yeah. right which is is enough to say about that song so um yeah so don't think twice it's all right of course appeared on first appeared on the freewheel and bob dylan from 1963 it um it's it's one of those songs i i mentioned again on other episodes where they're like there were songs in the dylan canon that were never hits they weren't hit singles but they are you know hugely influential and I think Don't Think Twice is one of those songs that it's, uh, you know, it's been covered so many times. If you go to the Wikipedia page, there's I think there's literally like 200 names of different yeah. musicians that have covered this song. It's, I tried to like go through, like listen to like I, I did listen to briefly. About, but yeah, it's like I have a list here of like, you know, it's uh, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Ramblin' Jack Elliott, Joan Baez, Odetta, uh, Andy Williams was an interesting like. <laughs> You know, Dolly Parton, Arlo Guthrie, Waylon Jennings, Kesha, Flat and Scruggs, Randy Travis, Indigo Girls, Cher, Glenn Campbell, Lenny Bro, Bobby Darren. Like, it just goes on and on. Post Malone. 
yeah that kind yeah. of thing with that like on youtube i guess and then and then just like the millions of people on youtube doing this song it's yeah, one it's, of those ones he has a few that i would call like perfect songs and this i would think this is one of them along with like blowing in the wind and times they are changing and it's funny that those or even like i threw it all away in a, in a certain way is like a perfect song to me but like it's funny those don't even make my like top 20 list mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're right he's got so many perfect. right yeah it's like yeah yeah, it's a song that it's a song that that definitely shaped uh, sort of the culture uh, without people necessarily knowing it. It's a Bob Dylan song. I quoted the opening uh, lyrics, and then it goes on. He says, "It ain't no use in turning on your light, babe. That light I never knowed. And it ain't no use to turn it on your light, babe. I'm on the dark side of the road. So I wish there was something you would do or say to try and make me change my mind and stay. We never did too much talking anyway. So don't think twice. It's all right." And he continues on. It ain't no use in calling out my name, gal, like you never did before. It ain't no use in calling out my name, gal. I can't hear you anymore. I'm a thinking and a wondering all the way down the road. I once loved a woman, a child, I am told. I give her my heart, but she wanted my soul. But don't think twice. It's all right. And this song, I feel, is one of the earliest examples of that uh, Dylan style where he is constantly changing who he's talking to. Because the song is aimed at the person, it's aimed at the woman, but yet... I gave her my I gave her my heart, but she wanted my soul. So all of a sudden, he's talking to somebody else, and that's just something the style that Bob trades in right, right. that people have to get used to. Where you're constantly like, "Wait, who is he? Who is he? T-? He's talking to this person I now. He's talking never, to somebody else." I never even I never realized that. Yeah, he says, uh, "What's that line you just said?" Her. I gave her my heart, but she wanted my soul. But don't right, think twice. Right. So it's all right. So all of a sudden, he's not. He's relaying the story to somebody else. Right that point yeah yeah i never i never actually uh i did think about it in terms of perspectives in that in that in in terms of how you would identify to this song if you're listening to it if you're the person if you're the person who's being told these things or if you're the person telling these things to somebody Mm -hmm. you know like this is these are things that could make you kind of angry if you if you hear them and you still want to make things work out in the relationship but or it could be just what you need to hear and and a way to make you feel better about it or you know or or you could be the person you can identify with the narrator but yeah i never i never thought about that turn there where he's where he starts telling it to somebody else yeah and when you realize that this is his second album and the first album of his that really is all of his originals although i guess karina karina is not one of his but it's this is really in a lot of ways the first bob dylan album uh really because it's all you know the big yeah, song blown in the wind right after hard rain's gonna fall yeah so, right exactly i mean this it's ambitious like heavy song and then this is like like smack right after that like uh a, a more relatable relationship kind of thing yeah i mean in the to give people uh, the context for anyone who doesn't know it was of course he recorded that first album which was all mostly folk covers except for a song to woody and one or two others but uh and that that did not set the world on fire and uh, john hammond of course who was his producer really kind of stuck his neck out for this guy and said no, 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 this guy, this kid is really good, and a lot of people are very skeptical. And, of course, he was even called Hammond's Folly uh, behind uh, behind John Hammond's back. People at the Columbia Records thought, ah, this, this, I don't know what John Hammond's doing with this kid. And so the first record didn't do much, and then I think Bob, young Bob Dylan, knew he had to make this second record count. And then, boom, I mean, blowing in the wind, a hard rain's going to fall, Masters of War, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, Girl from the North Country. I mean, good yeah. Lord. I mean, talk <laughs> about just one j- classic after the next. And it really did set the tone of, okay, this is a guy that's going to write songs that millions of people are going to cover. 
now. Uh, you know, on on now. Well, the song itself is, of course, based on a public domain traditional song called "Who's Gonna Buy Your Chickens When I'm Gone," right. and that song was taught to him by the folk singer Paul Clayton, who then wrote his own version called "Who's Gonna Buy Your Ribbons When I'm Gone," and then Bob Dylan sort of lifted some of that material for his version. That's again a, a habit that Dylan would continue on until this very day of lifting other material and placing it. I, I think. I wonder how long it took some younger musicians in their early 60s to learn, don't teach Bob your new <laughs> song because he's probably going to take it yeah, and then yeah. make it more famous and then you're sort of screwed. Yeah, so yeah. I think I wonder how long it took some of these people to say, oh, I guess stop doing that. But I mean, I think part of the – aside from the lyric content, uh, which a lot of it is is Dylan's, I think what part makes this song such a classic is the vocal performance, is that the song mm-hmm. sort of balances – between being, you know, kind of a nasty put down, but also the, the the gentleness of the vocal seems to belie that a little bit. And I think that's what keeps this song from getting too nasty is that there is this and kind of quesera-sera sort of feel to it. And that's that's sort of reflected in the lyrics themselves, too, right. because it's like, it, it, yeah, it could be nasty, but it also could be um, it could be a really a nice thing to tell somebody you're breaking up, you know, don't think twice. It's all right. Like, like move on. And I, I was, I was kind of thinking about this song and how, um, and, and his, like a, a thing that goes through his career is this, like, don't look back idea. And I, I think that that's kind of in this too. Like you could just as easily be, don't look back. It's all right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, moving forward, uh, philosophy, you know, it's like, it's, it's looking at a breakup and saying, good or bad no no judgments here uh, moving forward yeah it was what it was and let's move on and i mean the the, the worst to me the the nastiest line is the penultimate line which is the in the final verse was done better yeah i'm walking down that long road some road babe where i'm bound i can't tell but good guys goodbye is too good a word babe so i'll just say fairly well i ain't saying you treated me unkind you could have done better, but I don't mind. You just kind of wasted my precious time. Yeah, but don't yeah. think twice. It's all right. And so the, the, it's interesting how the, the final three lines of the song are really this sort of sandwich of kindness, meanness, and kindness. Because you could have done better, but I don't mind. That's okay. You just kind of wasted my precious time. And then, ooh, that's a kick. And then, but don't think, and then he goes right back and, but don't think twice. It's all right. And it's, yeah. I think it really is that, that sort of AB tension that makes the song so memorable is that it just seems kind of, yeah, all right. But you, depending on how you perform this, and we already talked about how many different covers there are of it, it really could fall one way or the other. And that, I think that's what makes it, 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 I've said on other episodes, like Bob Dylan makes you lean in a lot of ways of kind of you have to do some of the work of like, what exactly is going on here? And I think that's what makes this song so enduring is that just has that mystery to it, even though the lyrics are pretty straightforward. You know, there's no there's no trips of fancy or psychedelia or abstractness. It's it's really, you know, it's pretty straight straight ahead. But yet it it still is. It still is mysterious. I I was listening to Elvis doing it. (laughs) Have you heard that? I have heard the the Elvis one, yes. <laughs> and he's doing it like That would be the wrong way to sing it. I it well, speaking of the wrong way to to sing it, we're going to with one of the covers and you can find this cover on YouTube, The Four Seasons did it. Oh, yeah. And it is apparently they did it as a joke. Because the, the lead singer, Frankie Valli, and by the way, some of the Four Seasons had some great oh, I songs. I heard this one. I heard it. Oh, my God. But the Frankie Valli is doing his thing. And you're like, is this 
wait a minute, is this a joke? And then apparently the damn thing charted, actually, which is really? unbelievable. I can't I, – you listen to it, and it's like it sounds like it's Alvin and the Chipmunks doing it. It's yeah. surreal. Yeah. I feel I, – I think a lot of people screw something up about this song. You hear a lot of people going like, it ain't no use to sit and wonder why ba-. Like they like turn it into this whole melody. But part of the genius of it to me is the, is the understated melody – like his, his kind of talk singing really drives home the brilliance of the chord changes. I, I, f- I feel like when people draw too much attention, and that's something Dylan does all the time, is like he'll he'll hang on one note while this beautiful chord progression's like. Like he's, you know, he doesn't, he does so little with the melody that you can really hear the beauty of what's, but when you, when you overload it with, ain't no use to sit and wonder why, you know, it's just like, I hear so many people doing it like, like that. I, it said, it, it is a, uh, incredibly malleable song and Bob himself uh, has performed multiple versions of this. It appears on a couple different live records. It's on Before the Flood. Uh, he did it there. Um, I kind of like that version, although I'm not a huge fan of just the way he sings a lot of those songs with that yeah. kind of really yelling thing. I think it works for some songs and not for others, and I'm a little unsure about how it works for Don't Think Twice. Yeah, it's evolution all right. has been kind of interesting that it's like he, he start. I, I don't I don't think he ever did it as good as, as he did on that take on, on Freewheeling. I, and with the finger picking, I, I love I love that. He kind of moved away from that and went into this like um, pretty quickly, like in 63 or 64, he moved to doing it more like, ain't no use to sit and wonder why, babe! You know, you've heard those versions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, yeah, and it's it's all been strummy since he's always been like. But I, I just love the delicateness of the the original. Well, the one one of the versions I did want to mention, which is not delicate, is the version you can hear him do on the Budokan record, which yeah. is that is rough. I, I mean, I love Bob, but that that version is is rough of the the sort of stop start arrangement. And the backup yeah. singers are wailing, and I, I I hadn't listened to that version in a long time, and then I pulled it out, and I thought, oh boy, you know, <laughs> when your rooster crows at the break of dawn, I'm like, what, yeah, like, what is, what is this? Look out your window and I'll be gone. You're the reason. Oh. <laughs> The reggae version of of Don't Think Twice, it's all right. Now, he also did do it at the MTV Unplugged sessions. Now, that version did not make the record, but if you have a bootleg of the, uh, which, uh, you know, I guess I should admit I do, the MTV Unplugged uh, bootleg, he does a version. And and that's, that's a weird one because he's playing with the... Uh, the lines where he's rushing the first line yeah, to, 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 to slow down the second line. And I think he's just sort of experimenting. It's fun though. I like that version. Um, yeah, but but that it's works it's, for me. Like, I, I think there's a, he got really hooked on doing something to all along the watchtower where he like waited the entire bar and then like shimmied in the other part. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of worked for me. He, he did that on the new album too. And it, on that song right at the end of that, um, made up my mind to give myself to you he mm-hmm. like it almost seemed, i think the lyrics they posted are different than what he sings on that and it sounds like he forgot them and then he like rushes it in but then in the in the moment he can like make it musical and 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 i don't know like sometimes he i mean all the time he blows my fucking mind <laughs> <laughs> now there were uh there are alternate takes from the freewheeling sessions that you can get there's one from the whitmark demos 
bootleg series, and then there's one from the No Direction Home bootleg series, and they're both not bad. Uh, but I would argue that the one that he put on the record is ultimately the best one. He said, I think it's that vocal. He really n- nails that vocal uh, quite well. And again, there's some lines here that, you know, the, the line about, uh, I once loved a woman, a child, I'm told. That's maybe a little on the harsh side. But I mean, again, you know, it, that's what the, that's what this song does, is that it toggles back and forth between yeah, those two that, things. Yeah. That, doesn't, that doesn't strike me as, as inappropriate in the song. Uh, it feels 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 like the same yeah the same as everything else it's certainly something that he has himself returned to he has performed it 1086 times now as a musician virgil (laughs) i would imagine that uh you would think that you'd get pretty good at performing a song if you've done it 1086 times (laughs) well what's funny about that is that I, i feel like he's this is one that he's never done as well as he did in 1963 so it's like it's odd that you know, there are some songs that I, I think he he maybe he's obsessing over it to like to to figure out. I don't know. I, I get that impression with the ones that he's done over and over and over again that there's something unfinished about it to, in his mind. Um, but yeah, I can't I can't imagine that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> his first performance was on October fifteenth, nineteen sixty two. So right right after the well, not right after, but a little while after the record came out, and then he lasted it July seventh, twenty nineteen. So it stayed in the set list. It's always it's never been really gone from the set list for very long. It's always around. As in, he knows it's it's an enduringly popular song. It made it onto yeah, Greatest was, Hits Volume a, Two. Oh, sorry. I was no. say, as a musician, it is one of those kind of songs. It is a song that I particularly play when I'm not thinking. Like I'll just pick up the guitar and start playing it, just because it's uh, it feels like home or something. So I can I can see why like he'd go to it over and over and again. You know, I, it's just like it's it's a chord progression that feels so natural to want to want to start playing. Explain that. I don't. I never understand what that means exactly. Explain that. Well, it's just like it's it's just a great. I think that's probably one of the best things about the song is this is this chord progression, the 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 chords that move through it. And I think they're it kind of mirrors the the meaning of the song when you're talking about the philosophy of like moving moving forward and moving on. He kind of he takes. The, it's not like we're not doing like progressive metal like crazy jazz things or anything but we are he is modulating a lot which means like to take a normal song would have maybe these chords like uh like if you hear the uh the original one i you know you sit and wonder why darling da, 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 da. he took that and he and he extended it and he brought in this whole put a capo on the thing and he moved it up into this key and he's doing those are pretty normal chords and then this is from the other arrangement this one which is interesting it's different than you know you can hear that we're in a different uh, musical territory with this chord and it leads you to that one and then he kind of throws in this um, I want to be in that number <laughs> when the saints go marching in like he kind of throws <laughs> that old thing in there but but these are all musical devices but um but they but they move you into different keys like we get this note here this and that shifts us into another key momentarily in the song and and the effect of that 
makes you feel like you're traveling on like it, mm-hmm. it mirrors the you know you're, you're never staying in one place which is kind of what the philosophy of the song is is trying to impart on you which i i find so fascinating when he when he really nails it on one of those levels but i i just think it's it's one of the best uh chord progressions of of in history this this song and it and i've heard him talk you know he's he, he calls his music math music right right yeah said that before and i i it's kind of sounds like an evasive like cryptic thing but i i think <laughs> I, I think i get what he means because like if you listen to that who's gonna buy you flower song and you really dissect it there's like only one time in that whole song that paul clayton rhymes anything but then Dylan takes that form and like injects mathematically this rhyme scheme through the thing. That's like a, it's like an A A B B B C thing that connects every single verse. He he ha- he he never misses that rhyme scheme. And then he extends the the chord progression into this much more complicated thing. And and I I, I, I a lot of music. It's 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 funny to to intellectualize it because. It's like Steely Dan or someone, or like you know these kind of bands that that make really complicated music. It's not like what they're doing is, uh, like I don't know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) You know, it's just like he doesn't get enough credit for being a uh, a very thoughtful composer of music. Right. Right. I'm glad you mentioned the rhyme schemes because that is something that I do. This is something that I don't ignore. I don't uh, appreciate when I'm listening to it, and then when I go and I look at the the lyrics and I see it and it pops out at me. But the way that the second half of every verse has these repeated rhymes, where as opposed to every other line, but here it's got like you know in the first verse it, it ends. You've got these lines with ending with say, stay, anyway, and then you know road, told, soul unkind mind time yeah i mean i like that kind of that repeated rhyme scheme sort of thing where it's it's sort of over and over you're hitting that same feeling over and over and you mentioned the uh the 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 traveling on thing i mean it's sort of funny that he is in some ways really playing a character here because i mean of course when he wrote this he was living in new york and he wasn't going anywhere at the moment he wasn't even really touring he was still he was playing coffee houses and stuff, but here he's playing that vagabond character that he sort of liked to put on when he would give those interviews about that he grew up grew up in a, you know in a circus in Gallup, New Mexico, and his parents were deceased, all that bullshit that he was you know peddling out to reporters. On another level, like he's got he's got Sue's on the cover of the of the album, and then this song seems to be about him him breaking up, right? Got right. all that that confusion of you know where where's the where's his real life story. And where is the where the stories that were being told are from his perspective? And yeah, I I, I think it's just uh, it's so brilliant. Yeah. I was just gonna say something quickly about the um the, how that rhyme scheme fits in when you, you got this chord progression that's C G A minor, and that that's um that's always the first half of any measure. So it's like ain't no use sit and wonder why, babe. Even you don't know by now. And then we've got this same thing. Dun, dun, dun. But then the second half of this is something else. Do, 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 do. And then this, then we've got that wanna be in that number. <laughs> and then he does this thing again. G. Yeah. C, G. So it's like, uh, 
It's like an A1, A2, BB, A3 kind of thing in my head. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I know I can understand it on some very surface level, but otherwise it just sounds so amazingly complex. Every time I hear some musician explain how songs are written, I'm like, how don't know how any song it's ever getting written. I don't understand it. Like, it just seems so, so, I mean, to my ears, this song sounds so simple. And I guess that's the beauty of it is that it's, it, it isn't simple to compose, but it's simple to sort of listen to in a weird way. It sounds simple, but nevertheless, when you're explaining it, it's like, oh my God, what the, you know, just all that for just this one song. And the guy's written 500 of them. Like, it's just, you know, yeah. the mind, the mind just reels at that. So, yeah, I mean, it said it, it's one of those songs that, uh, despite the fact that it appears on Greatest Hits Volume 2, it was never a hit for Dylan himself. But uh, as we talked about, it, it became a, a staple uh, for people to cover. And people to this very day are covering it. Uh, you mentioned Post Malone, for God's sakes, is covering it. Um, <laughs> I, I heard a song the other day. I don't even remember the name of the artist. But it was a, a song about uh, this guy getting divorced. And this song, the name of the song was like, It's All Right. And I'm like, well, you know, okay, they're right then and there. He's even sort of borrowing the refrain of here. So it's just one of those things that Dylan was able to put into the culture, and it just burrowed deep, and it just stayed with everybody. And so the song is 60 years old almost at this point, but it's still fresh, and it's still people finding new ways to to get inside of it. And again, it's who can't relate to this? Who can't relate to this sort of feeling of this sort of feeling of like, well, you know, this didn't really work out. And, and sometimes I'm angry about it. Sometimes I'm not so angry about it. And that's, you know, it, it's the human condition. And that's why this song yeah. is so enduring for God's sakes. Yeah. And that's, and that's another thing of his, like being a, being a chain link in, in the history, like these are the same kind of themes that were in songs like, like uh world gone wrong, P- pack up my suitcase, give me my hat. No, use mm-hmm. baby. Cause I'll never be back. You know, it's like the same idea. Um, repurposed into something new, mm-hmm. and then that's that's what people take from this and go on and yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's it. It's amazing. It's a it's a classic song. So, well, Virgil, uh, thank you so much for coming on and thank you for playing. I love hearing. I I never. I can still not wrap my brain around the idea that like someone else can create. Just plicking, <laughs> picking it along, and I can hear and go. That's it. That's what that. That's what that is. Because to me, I can't create a song for to save my life. So the fact that you can just do it, kind of willy nilly like that, is just seem, it's so impressive to me. Well, I'm I'm I love listening to to your perspective on the show too. Like I I, I like the opposite of of hearing people that that can't think of the music aspect <laughs> and what that means to them. And and uh, I, I love your show. I think you're you're fantastic. I know you're very humble and you've and you've like you say you're small fish in a big pond of, of uh, Dylan analysts and stuff. But I think I think your show is pretty cemented itself as as something important in in that world at least it's it's pretty amazing to uh you keep it fresh you got all these different guests on different perspectives you know and and i think you have a like you have a you've you've unleashed unlocked some things for for me listening to like songs i've listened to over and over again and i'm like oh i've never thought of uh, that aspect of it and stuff and i just think you do a great job well thank i should take all this out but thank you very much i (laughs) appreciate you saying that it's very nice where can people find your work on the internet well, I'm kind of doing like uh, ever since this lockdown started, I I just started recording myself doing a Dylan song every day, mm-hmm. and um, I've been putting it on YouTube and uh, Facebook and stuff. I've got a lot of like um, people over on the Bob Dylan fa- fan club on Facebook that are tuning in every day to hear what new song I'm doing. I did I, I did at first it was like I realized when I was doing it that when I got to the 50th one it would be his birthday so I was like oh, I'll keep going till his birthday and then um 
people were tuning in for that. And then I hmm. started doing, uh, it was the anniversary of self-portrait. So I covered every single self-portrait song. Whoa. Um, and then now I'm even going deeper into that. I'm going into the, uh, into the, another self-portrait stuff. Oh, I love, love, oh man. I love that bootleg series. Oh, oh amazing. Yeah. Well, tell people where you can find it. Yeah. So if you look up Virgil Kinsley, uh, Virgil and, uh, K I N S L E Y on YouTube, um, you'll, you'll see it all there or on Facebook or on, I think I do it on, on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram. All right. Well, fantastic. With it said, with uh, 500 songs, you you can do in like a whole nother year and uh, still not, uh, oh, I not, know. Not, not repeat any songs. I know it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's really mental. I did it for a while with a, with a live band, um, before this all happened. And, and that was, that was kind of what I was thinking I was going to get into to do these full, uh, anniversary shows of of specific albums so i would do like you know on the anniversary of blonde on blonde maybe i would try to assemble a, a band to resemble what was in the recording studio for that. <laughs> do it all like that and um yeah it's uh it's it's wild it's wild how how freeing are like I, I putting this construct of doing the bob dylan universe of songs has actually been the most like freeing artistic uh thing i've ever done because it's like brought me into this world of the history of all music <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like it's it's pretty amazing that's fantastic that's really cool and like i said everybody can go check that out on the various social uh, media platforms of hill virgil playing all these different songs and uh, that's that's really really cool i appreciate someone being able to reinterpret that and and be able to dig deep like that that's uh i'm very envious of of that skill so that's really cool and so thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it Hey, thank you so much. I'll probably post, uh, I'll probably do, uh, don't think twice. It's all right. And post it and say like, check out the, uh, the episode on, on this song. All right. Perfect. So of course, everybody, if you want to find back episodes of the show, go to the website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you want to support the fine water podcast network, just go to patreon.com slash FW podcasts. And there you're going to unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Patrick Carroll, and another supporter who will remain masked and anonymous for their donations uh, for the Pod Dylan Show. Thank you so much. So that is going to do it for this episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Well, it ain't no use sitting and wonder why, baby. Even you don't know by now And it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby It'll never do somehow When your rooster crows at the break of dawn Look out your window and I'll be gone You're the reason I'm a-traveling on But don't think twice, it's all right 